You know what time it is? Time to hang out with Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. Get the ladies cool. From Mr. Cooper. From Mr. Cooper. From Mr. Cooper. Hang out with Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. Ladies cool. From Mr. Cooper. From Mr. Welcome to the Big Scoop with Coop. I'm your host, Coop. Big shout outs to everybody that's listening right now on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to. Also, don't forget, if you want to see the video recording of this show, make sure you go to thebitscoopwithcoop.com where you can catch episodes from season one all the way now. Also, you can catch me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash thebitscoopwithcoop. Also on Instagram, IGTV, baby. You can catch me there at Big Scoop with Coop and on YouTube at The Big Scoop with Coop. He is the CEO of the presidential inauguration. It's going to be happening January the 20th for President Biden. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Mr. Tony Allen. Mr. Tony Allen is doing a lot of things once again in his career. Once again, he is the president of Delaware State University. He's the CEO of the presidential inauguration for presidential elect. Joe Biden, um, soon to be president, Joe Biden. Um, and you're going to see him doing a lot of things in his career. We will hear about January the 20th. We're going to hear about the inauguration. We're going to hear about his career, how he started out in the educational field and became president of Delaware State University. All right, people, sit back, relax, get ready to learn with Mr. Tony Allen. Of course, season nine is still going strong once again. Happy New Year to everyone that's watching right now worldwide, 2021. Make sure you make it a big one. But enough about me, people. Like I told you before, we have the man on the show right now. He is, once again, the president of Delaware State University. He is also the CEO of the presidential inauguration. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Mr. Tony Allen. Welcome to the show. Hey, Coop. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing well. How's your day going so far? That's good. It's good. You staying safe? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. COVID free. Um, trying to make sure, you know, keep the mask on. I'm doing everything I can to stay safe. What about you on your end? Me too. Me too. I think you may know this, but we have had a full testing protocol for faculty, staff and students throughout um, the fall and now here in the spring. And uh, we've, we've done about 35,000 tests so far. And wow. I've had half a percent positivity rate. So we're trying to create a bubble and make wow. sure get to that finish line. That's our number one goal. That's what I'm talking about. Um, because you know, these percentages are raising up sky high. Yeah. Um, United States as a whole. So yes, everybody that's watching, please wash your hands, keep the mask on, you know, be safe, everybody that's watching. Now, Tony, you have had a marvelous career. I don't know why I just said had because it's nowhere close to being done. You're <laughs> having a marvelous career. Um, and, you know, a lot of people know about you. You're, you're doing big things, Tony. But let's start from the beginning. Now, yeah. when did you first realize that you wanted to um, jump into the education field as a career? You know, uh, interestingly enough, my mother had always said um, that I should be a teacher. And uh, just to give you a sense of background, uh, we come from uh, Jacksonville Beach, Florida, but I, I grew up in Delaware. My mother was a teenage mom, and my, my dad's been long-term um, drug addicted. So it's been a quite an experience for me, uh, but 
my mother and my stepfather in particular, who actually never finished the 11th grade, they always pour, poured into me the ethic of education and what that would mean uh, for me. And I think they saw what it could have meant for them and just kind of wanted to pour into me their dreams. Uh, but my mother has always said to whom much is given, much is required. So she always kind of instilled in me this thought that at some point I would need to be giving back, giving back in the same uh, way I was given to. And uh, while I didn't start off in education, I can tell you in 1995, I wrote down 10 goals. And one of those goals uh, was to be a college president at an HBCU. So it is, uh, it's a dream come true because the the road has been a wind, a winding one, uh, but I do quite feel like I'm in the right place at the right moment in time. And you know what, Tony? It's interesting that you said that because a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people that's that talked in the past up to now. I'm a firm believer myself. A lot of people say if you write down your goals, you know, oh. and you have complete faith, you're going to see them pop up in your life. It, it's going to happen. And look at you, 1995, you wrote it down and look where you're at now. That's just showing God is actually showing grace and faith on you. So please continue to keep doing big things. Excuse me, big things. Now, yes, sir. Now, Tony, you know, doing this in the education field, it is actually a, it's not the easiest job in the world. It, it really isn't. Um, there's a lot that you have to take care of behind the scenes, you know, for Delaware State University. Sure to make sure that it's running the way that it's been running. Now, what type of hurdles did you go through to get to where you are today? We heard about, you know, your parents and everything, but in your personal life, what what type of hurdles did you go through to get to being common president? You know, Coop, I, I've been pretty uh, open, uh, both about sort of my professional journey and my personal journey. And on my uh, professional path, I always sort of uh, thought first about what was in my heart as opposed to my head. Um, professionally, uh, a, a good friend of mine told me a long time ago, it matters at a heart, think with your head. It matters at a head, think with your heart. And uh, I've always treated my professional decisions as heart decisions, which was meant it wasn't always about um, the next uh, new promotion or, or money necessarily. It was what I could do to impact that environment. And that led me on a lot of different paths. Uh, as you probably know, I used to work for um, Senator, then Senator Joe Biden. Um, but I also uh, helped start the Urban League in Delaware with a man who came, became my best friend, a guy named Jim Gilliam, who's taught, taught me more than anybody in the world. And I uh, then spent 15 years in corporate America uh, with Bank of America. So, you know, when I got to Delaware State, and I'd actually been chasing Delaware State for about 10 years trying to get um, in, in higher ed. Um, I knew that this was a moment um, that was meant for me and the road I took um, all made sense relative to the type of students that come to me uh, based on my own background and then what they want to do in life. The fact that I've had a multi-sector career has been really helpful. And on the personal side, I can tell you, and you probably know this, it is very important to have good work-life balance and I have had a challenge there which has come at some cost uh, to me and my family. So I always say that, uh, you know, a lot, I know lots of good brothers and sisters who are very ambitious, but at the end of the day, when this is all said and done, what you're going to have if you've done this right is family and God. So you're going to have to always turn your attention back to that. And those are lessons. Those are hard lessons um, that I've learned over the years. That is so true, Tony. And a lot of people, I'm glad that you learned it because 
a lot of people, when they get about this much of fame or this much of success, they forget where they come from. They forget about who brought them to the dance, and that's God, because God has been watching over them. Um, and everything that people that's actually stepped into their life, they say forget them. And they say, I always hear, you know, when you hit that ceiling and you ain't been doing right, you're coming straight back down. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm glad at that early age you did learn this. You know, you learned this lesson, and I can tell this is still inside of you already. I can tell you, I'm learning it every day. I mean, it is a, <laughs> it is a process. <laughs> I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> it, it is for a lot of people. I'm just glad that you know what the process is, and you're not going in blindsided. So I'm glad that you know that. Now, like you say, you work with Senator Sabad, and you work with a lot of people. Your parents put great things inside of your mind. But also, did you have any mentors that um, help you along the way to become president of Delaware State? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would say I have mentors um, that have just helped me become a better man and a better professional. Uh, the folks that come to mind, I just mentioned one, Jim Gilliam uh, Sr. Jim Gilliam Sr. passed away a couple of years ago, but he was 50 years my senior and was literally my best friend. Uh, we started the Urban League together. Um, I, I hadn't I hadn't made a decision since the turn of the 20th century, 21st century that I didn't talk to him about. And uh, we had very similar uh, backgrounds growing up. So we connected on some interesting levels. And uh, he just took me under his wing. And uh, our relationship is something I, I tr truly treasure. I still have him hanging up on my wall in my office. Uh, and then obviously there uh, there was uh, the president elect. And actually, interestingly enough, the president-elect is the one that introduced me to Jim Gilliam. Uh -huh. oh, so, wow. Yep. So just being around him, um, the president-elect, uh, and working for him when he was a U.S. senator uh, was inspiring to me. I liked how he, he went about his business. I liked how uh, you could find him at his home or on stage and on, on a national stage, and you'd be hearing the same guy. Uh, and, I, and I like that how he too was committed to family. And then there's one more guy that's uh, really been inspiring to me over the years. A guy named David Cisco, uh, who helped has helped me tremendously since since probably the time I really started my professional um, career. He's the one that says it matters of the head, think with your heart. Matters of the heart, think with your head. So I've tried to create a lot of uh, folks around me, lot many of which are are quite senior to me, uh, but can keep it real. Uh, with me, regardless of the success I achieve, and are always pushing me to do better and 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 mean uh, more for myself and my family and my community. So that's been great for me, and I, I just couldn't. I know I wouldn't be here without, obviously, my family uh, and those three gentlemen. Nice, nice. Now I heard you mention this a couple of times, so I'm gonna ask you for the people that don't know. Can you tell everybody a little bit about the Urban League? What is this? What does it do? How's it impacting you in your life? You know, uh, the Urban League is uh, one of the oldest civil rights groups in the country. Um, it, many times people hear about the, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP. I think of the Urban League as its sister institution. Um, it has more than 100 affiliates across the country, and it really is a public policy advocacy voice and a direct services provider. So you're going to find anything from economic opportunity, um, to after-school care, to actual schools. Um, there are all kinds of things that the Urban League does in various communities. And the, really the mission uh, is to create economic parity, power, and civil rights uh, in a 21st century America for African Americans. 
And uh, while it has an old history, oddly enough, in Wilmington, um, it didn't start really until about 1999. And as I said, Jim Gilliam, Jim Gilliam and I um, started in Wilmington um, because he had been connected with the National Urban. He actually served on their board and wanted to bring it to the city. Uh, so for me, it's been a very, very inspiring part of my life personally. Uh, but I also see it as a clear voice uh, for the black community, uh, not across the country, but specifically um, in Delaware. So I haven't been in that role in a long time now, but I can tell you that uh, folks who have followed me, uh, Lisa Blunt Rochester, who's currently a United States Congresswoman, the first African-American uh, to serve in that role from Delaware, and uh, Eugene Young, a very inspiring um, young brother who's leading the league now. It, it is still in many ways home and represents how we all got sort of our first chops as it relates to public policy advocacy for our people. Wow, wow. Now, Tony, if people want to do more research on the Urban League or learn more about Urban League, what's the best way for them to find out? Yeah, the first is uh, go to www.nul.org. That's the national organization run by a good friend of mine, a brother named Mark Morial, used to be the mayor of New Orleans. Uh, and has been there almost 20 years now doing terrific work. And, uh, in, and that'll actually tell you all the chapters across the country. So I know this is uh, an international show, uh, but in the U.S. you'll be able to find Urban Leagues from Wilmington, Delaware to Los Angeles, California. And I encourage you all to get involved, uh, particularly the young people. They have a very strong young professionals um, network as well. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's watching Worldwide right now. Make sure, especially young to old, go to the website. Check it out, especially if you're interested. You want to learn research knowledge is the key, people. Make sure you go check out the Urban League. You, may, you will find something that probably will actually fit into your life that's due to Urban League. So go check it out. Not right now, because we're in the middle of this interview. <laughs> After this interview, go check out the Urban League. Make sure you do that. <laughs> now, Tony... Now, I want to know, um, we, we heard your story. We heard how you got up to um, president of Delaware State University. But when you first realized that you was yeah. becoming president, uh -huh. what was your initial reaction? How, how excited were you when you found out that you did receive the job that you wrote down in 1995 on that paper? You know, it's, it's funny. You know, I, I got here, like I told you, I've been chasing Delaware State for about 10 years. I I had applied for the presidency uh, 10 years earlier uh, and made it to the finals, but didn't get selected uh, and kept having this strong affinity, kind of a strong pull to, to Delaware State. And a good friend of mine, Harry Williams, who's now the president of Thurgood Marshall College Fund, was actually the president at the time, and pulled me in and we had a great discussion. Um, he offered me an opportunity to become the provost here. So I did that for about three years uh, before I became president. That was, that was good learning uh, for me, particularly when you you know, you come into a new environment, a new role, and, and you hadn't had much experience sort of in that industry. You want to make sure you know and understand um, all the inner workings of the culture. Uh, so by the time um, I became president, I had actually served as provost both under Harry Williams and uh, Dr. Wilma Mashu. Dr. Wilma Mashu is the first female president in Delaware State University's uh, history. And her father had been uh, president of Delaware State too, uh, in the 60s, so in the 70s. So it was quite an experience to be under her um, tutelage and really kind of understand what it takes to become a president. To your point, though, 
when I got the role, it really just made me think about the grace of God. You know, there's an old biblical saying says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Though I labor more abundantly than they all, it wasn't me, it was God's grace. And I, I try to take that uh, into account every day as I go through this role, largely because, as I said before, I know that there are students like me who've had my experience uh, and know that if I can open a door from, from, for them in the way that many have opened the door for me, they're going to take off. And they, as you know, we need that more now um, than ever before. And I'm really quite proud to be an ambassador for them in that way. Big shout outs to all the students at Delaware State University, alumni all the way up to now. Big shout outs to all of you. Make sure you keep supporting Tony. Tony is doing big things. Well, to you guys, President Allen. But Tony's <laughs> doing big things. Make sure you do support, guys. Um, now, speaking hey, of Coop, students, I'd say, too, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'd say, no, too, no. All, all HBCUs, just think about this, you know, uh, Stacey Abrams Spellman grad, uh, Reverend Warnock Morehouse grad. Uh, our vice president-elect, Howard Gregg. So when you think about um, the experience, HBCUs represent about 3% of all colleges and universities across the country, but we're still producing 25% of all black graduates in the country. So we are punching above our weight, and I, I would say that the results are obvious, and we need more kids to be thinking about HBCUs as a first choice to both, to both change their life and to be able to know what it means to give back in a real way. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Tony put it the nice way. He said he's punching, they're punching above the weight. No, I'm going to say it because Tony ain't going to say it. HBCUs are throwing uppercuts and knocking <laughs> people out. That's what they're doing right now. He's putting it the nice way. I'm telling you right now. HBCUs, big shout outs to everybody, HBCU. Uh, Ms. Kamala Harris, if you're watching, big shout outs to you too. Big shout outs to everybody from HBCU. Continue to keep doing big things. Absolutely. Now, speaking of colleges, speaking of HBCUs, now we know in 2020, um, this COVID thing hit us hard. Yeah. Um, 2021, even though it's early as January, uh, whenever you're watching this show, COVID has not went away. Now, how do you feel like COVID-19 is going to impact how colleges are ran in the future. Do you believe it's gonna be virtual for a while or do you believe they're gonna be coming back on campus as a big group? What, what is your opinion on that? Well, you know, I think we've learned some things. Uh, you know, uh, I remember March 12th, which is when we made the decision um, to send our students home last year. And uh, we actually kept about 200 students on campus during that time because they didn't have another place to go. Uh, and that, that taught me some things, both as relates to those students and the students we had to send home. Some of those students became, went from student to breadwinner in their family. And uh, they were struggling in some real ways. So uh, we made a conscious decision. If we could, we needed to bring as many of them back on campus as possible. Um, developed a, a relationship with a place called Testing for America. The chief scientist there was the one that actually uh, was the architect of the MBA bubble. Um, so we knew we were in good hands. Uh, we spent a lot of time developing the right protocols and really making it sort of a peer-to-peer -peer environment so the students were holding each other accountable. And as I said, that's 35,000 tests later, half a percent positivity rate. We made it through the fall. Uh, but we've learned some things, too, to your point. Uh, I think uh, the notion of virtual learning um, 
is an important one and each and one of the primary tools for us going forward. But I still think that having the resident college experience coming to class and engaging um, in that way in person um, is an important part of the growth process. What I want to be able to do, and I think we're doing it now, is create unique opportunities uh, for all um, students to learn. So some might have went to an HBCU and for whatever reason um, stopped, right? I want to create a virtual learning environment where they can plug right right back in, whether they are 25 or 45, right? Uh, we continue to want to build capacity uh, for the residents um, student. And with respect to COVID, interestingly enough, one of the things we were able to do, we secured a $5 million grant uh, from Newcastle County to build our own diagnostic lab. So starting actually starting December 23rd, we actually processed our first test. So literally, we not only are doing the test on campus, Delaware State is now processing that, which saves us on cost significantly. And it opens up that opportunity for us to do that for the broader community, not just for COVID, but a lot of infectious diseases. So our HBCUs having the opportunity to take advantage of a tough moment in American history and to do that because of the notion of our resilience, um, who we largely represent, what our people have been through um, is a real moment uh, for us. And, and we're going to take every advantage to make sure um, that we are not only protecting ourselves, but creating new opportunities for others as well. Wow, Tony, I told you, doing big things, man. I mean, you're making first steps on a lot of things. And I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to tip my hat if I had one on to you right now, because, you know, you're making so many different avenues for people to come back to school, um, to continue to learn in education. It doesn't matter, like you said, 25 or 45. If guys, if you're watching, ladies, if you're watching HBCU, past and present, or you want to join in the HBCU, Look into Delaware State. They're doing big things. Make sure you go check them out. Tell them Coop sent you. If you have to, do it, do it, do it. And Coop, and that, website, that website is www.desu.edu. And you can obviously check us on all the social media channels as well. We're looking um, to expand our footprint significantly. And, we, and if you're a student out there, trust that we want you to come. Guys, go check out the site. Make sure you do it. Check out the site. Get back in school. Knowledge is the key. He just gave you the key. He can't make you turn the um, door. He <laughs> gave you the key. Put the key in that door. Turn it. Go in there. Definitely go in there. Now, we are a few days away, Tony. We, we heard about you being president. Um, history is being made again. Um, but before we go into that part, how long have you been knowing um, President-elect Joe Biden? Uh, it's about 25 years now. I uh, worked for him again as um, when he was a United States senator, and I was one of his speechwriters and special assistants. Now, I, and I'm glad, you know, you had that personal experience with Mr. Biden um, because he has actually brought you in as the CEO of the presidential inauguration. Now, with that being said, it seems like your job has gotten a little bit harder now, Tony. And the reason why I'm saying that, because of the effects of what happened yesterday mm -hmm. in Washington, um, there's a possibility it, that could be the end or it could be more stuff that's going to come. Right now, as far as it goes for your job, for being CEO, are you prepared if something else happens again? 
Yeah, I'd say this could we're overprepared. Uh, the, and obviously I, I watched in horror um, the events of yesterday. Did not think that was uh, what a great democracy um, looks like. Uh, and, but also uh, recommitted myself, and I know my team is recommitted, to making sure that we can sh do two things. One, show the strength and resiliency of this country. And two, make sure that our president-elect and our vice president-elect can share a reimagined American vision, uh, one that is diverse and inclusive, one that cares about folks and ensures their safety and creates a new economic opportunity for all. So uh, while it was um, one of those moments that as an American, I'm not proud of, um, it also uh, re-inspired me um, to make sure that at least I can do whatever uh, my level best is to make sure that uh, the president-elect um, starts his administration off in the same way um, that he ran that very, very successful and historic campaign. Wow, okay, good. So security is gonna be tight out there. Um, it's gonna be a safe environment. So everybody's gonna be there live. Trust me, Tony got you on lock. Don't worry about it. He's got it extra prepared. Tony, thank you very much, man, for taking this position of becoming CEO of the presidential inauguration. But yeah, I would say, I just wanna add a few things just so the, uh, the audience knows. Um, so it a, a lot of what we do will be virtual, as you might imagine, uh, yes. but swearing in actually will be on the west front of the Capitol. Uh, on eight, on the 18th, that Monday, we'll be doing a, a, a day of service in honor of Martin Luther King, obviously. And there'll be a lot of virtual activities there as well. That following day, there'll be a COVID memorial where we're asking cities across the country um, to light up uh, major buildings um, in remembrance of all those who have lost um, their lives as well as their families. And then it'll be a day of um, inaugural activities um, that ends with some uh, prime time um, evening programming as well. So we want folks to really engage. Um, that one is bidenaugural.com. And you can see a whole list of activities uh, in, in ways that folks can participate. Guys, make sure you do check out the website. Watch virtual if you can. Um, this is a great moment right here. Now, Tony, I should have asked you this before. What comes in the job duties of becoming a or being a CEO of the presidential inauguration? What, what are some of your job duties for that? Well, you know, it's um, I, I don't get paid. I just want to make sure everybody knows that <laughs> um, it's really the chief the chief volunteer uh, mm -hmm. for the inaugural. And your the idea is really to make sure that you're able to um, help inspire what the president elect and the vice president elect uh, really meant and stood for. Um, during the campaign. Um, so I, there's a whole team of uh, folks that are largely from the campaign and the transition um, that are behind me. Uh, we are doing this in an unprecedented moment. And I, I've said, in fact, my executive director has said to me on a number of occasions, once we came to the realization that this was gonna be different, in, in many ways it wasn't gonna be uh, as in person as it normally is, what it opened up for us is how can we um, ensure that more everyday Americans can participate. And I think you're gonna see more everyday Americans participating in all the activities that we have lined up um, than you ever have before in an offer. And I think that means something and is endemic uh, to the president-elect and the vice president-elect as well. Uh, so it really is about making sure that uh, we have the resources um, to support um, all of the initiatives, um, that we're creating the unique opportunities that, historic, that honor those historic traditions and that we're doing that safely. Nice, nice. Once again, everybody, make sure you do check it out virtually. 
a lot of big things are going to happen on January the 20th. So you want to make sure 18th, correct? It starts. Yeah, it starts on the 18th, 18th. With, the, uh, with the day of service in honor of the Reverend Dr. Martin King. All right, guys, make sure you check that out. Make sure you do. Now, um, Tony, what is the best way for everybody that's, um, that knows you and people that's getting introduced to you for the first time? What is the best way for everybody to keep up with you on social media? Well, you can check me out on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm at Believe, Live, Love. I'll say that again, at Believe, Live, Love. I always say believe in the possibilities, uh, live in the moment, and love is if you're taking your very last breath. Nice, nice. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody, make sure you do follow Tony on social media because you want to keep up with what he's doing. You want to keep up with Delaware State University. Give him that Delaware State um, email address. I mean, I'm sorry, website one more time. Yep, it's D-E-S-U dot E-D-U. Make sure you go check out the website. He Once again, he handed you the key. He went just like this. <laughs> what are you going to do with the key? Use it, people. Use it. Now, Tony, what advice would you give any male or female? Um, that wants to go into the education field or have dreams to become president of HBCU or any type of college, um, what advice would you give them? You know, I, I would say uh, keep your options open. Uh, you know, my, my career journey, as I said at the beginning of this, is, was a winding one. Um, and I always kind of made decisions that I thought were in the best interest of my passions. And ultimately, um, that took care of everything else. And I think sometimes particularly uh, young brothers and sisters are driven by um, things that, that are more economic uh, in nature. And that always leads you to some ceiling that just gets you frustrated, even when you get to those higher levels. So I say lead with your passions first, and then know that uh, if you're interested in higher education or education in general, know that that, that kind of work uh, is, an, is an avocation, not just a simple vocation, but an avocation. And it requires um, that you take um, the opportunities to throw your whole self um, into the opportunities that are in front of you. I always say that we are touching lives we have not yet um, been introduced to um, yet. And that's, that's important um, to the work we do. And it's also important um, to the kind of community we become. One of the things the president-elect and the vice president-elect talk about a lot is a more diverse and inclusive country and one that creates more opportunities for all. Education is one of those key opportunities. Nice. Everybody, I hope you've been taking notes through this whole thing. Tony's been dropping jewels right here in gems through the whole interview. Now, Tony, I know you're a busy man, so I'm not going to hold you much longer, but this is the last segment of the show. Sure. It's called Take the Floor. Now, you have up to two minutes to say whatever's on your mind. No questions asked. Tony, take the floor. Two minutes. <laughs> Up to two minutes. A long time, Coop. Up, up to. Hey, look, um, I, I think I just want to uh, spend time with this quote. Uh, it's 1964. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King um, is accepting the Nobel Peace Prize in Oslo, Norway. And he says these words, I refuse to accept the isness of a man's present nature that makes him morally incapable of reaching up toward the oughtness that forever confronts him. There's an oughtness that is confronting us, brothers and sisters. And if it wasn't real to you um, before yesterday, I hope it is real to you now. There's an oughtness for us to do better. 
to be better to each other and to take care of all the things uh, that have made our country great and will continue to make our community strong. Uh, the quest toward a more perfect union means that we are imperfect, but it's that quest that matters most. Wow. Wow. He quoted the man that's right behind him right now. He quoted him hard. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Tony, I, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you a million times for coming on the show. Um, oh, it was an honor, man. Thank you for doing this. I, I know these platforms are not easy to do. And I know you're pouring, I can tell you're pouring your whole heart into it, man. So it's an honor to be with you. Thank you. And I would love to have you back on in the future again. Whenever you need me. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, season nine of the Bit Scoop with Coop, still going strong, people. My next guest is, you know I've never announced my next guest. You got to stay tuned <laughs> to find out who my next guest is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, check out Tony on Instagram. Check out the website. Go check out Urban League. Make sure you check it all, guys. All right, until the next time on the Bit Scoop with Coop. Thank you.